1: Welcome to episode 150 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slayben. How's it going, man?
0: uh JP. I'm doing all right tonight, man. I'm doing all right.
1: Good. Well, we got a lot to talk about, just like we did last week, man. There's a lot going
0: on here. No, absolutely a ton going on. And I think we need to start with basketball because that is the sport that's happening. And I'm going to start with this. I appreciate everyone who responds to me on Twitter. I appreciate everyone who wants to talk on Twitter. And I will talk with 90% of you. But if you're going to come at me with takes, like my point is Travis Ford 2.0, I just I, I don't feel like um, getting down on on your level of, of dumb to try to have a debate on Twitter. You don't actually watch basketball. You don't watch a game. You look at box scores and look at records, and that's all you care about. Don't tell me, I watch every game. Yeah, but you don't actually watch the game because if you can't tell the difference between Mike Boynton and Travis Ford's coaching and who does a better job in-game than who, I don't have time for you.
1: The fact that people actually think that is what's infuriating to me. Like, I understand being a fan and being frustrated at losing. I get it. We talk about it all the time on this podcast, way more than we should. But man, the, you guys, our fan base, I love Oklahoma State, love it to death, been a whole fan my whole life, spent a lot of money at the university, but my God, our fan base can be so stupid sometimes. And yes, I'm calling you out. And yes, I don't care that I said it. It's, oh, yeah. it's levels of bad that it's just infuriating. Like if you're really going to have some of these takes, you're going to be that overreactionary, one way or the other. Like we, we don't have time for that shit. Like
0: I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't care what you yell in your house. I say soup fit stuff in my house. I say stupid stuff and yell it in my closet all the time. I don't post it where the world can see it because I'm smart enough to let my emotions fall out of me before I go into a place where I need to at least sound like I'm mildly intelligent. Exactly. So, yeah. Let's have a let's have a real conversation about this team um here's where i i view it and and i think you can back me up with this i never bought in as much as everyone else seemed to want to after the 7-0 start i wasn't going to buy all the way in because you you
1: were definitely talking me off the ledge (laughs) and i'm glad that you did because i was way too like i i knew like we knew this team is talented we know this team is good i bought way too far in admittedly after the old miss game like i i mean i it was an impressive win against a team that wasn't that good but but I definitely a, should have tempered my expectations, that's for sure. And, and
0: it was such, and we talked about this, it was such an outlier game. You, they couldn't hit a three. <laughs> Coincidence, Um almost could not hit a shot. And they had open looks, and they could not hit them. It was such a outlier kind of game that it was hard to say, this is team is going to be what? It was a 7-0 team who had two really impressive wins in Brooklyn, who... Honestly, with better on the road and at neutral sites to that point than they did at home. They struggled and had close games against teams they shouldn't have had close games with at home. And that, to me, was what the team was. It's a team that's good. They're not great, but they're good. But when things are clicking, they're going to be really good team. You start 7-0, and I think people got too high, and a lot of people have come crashing down because the next seven games, you go 2-5. and five. And if you're just looking at it going, well, they should what well, uh, 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 Likely was gone for four games. It was the most important four-game stretch you had. It was the most difficult four-game stretch. The the, the quality of opponent shot up. Okay, Georgetown, Minnesota, Wichita State, Houston were all better than the first like five games they played before they got to Brooklyn. Okay, and you lost your most important piece for a couple reasons. He is the most important piece because a he's one of your best players, and b there is no backup point guard not really like not you can you can have guys fill in if if waters goes down you can have guys i'm not saying that they're as good as waters or as good as McGriff or as good as an a but you have guys that can kind of fill some of those roles and you can patchwork that through a game you can't replicate likely you don't have anyone on the roster who's able to step. look look they tried they couldn't find anybody so you lose him for four games and they struggled Got a win at Houston, which was insane. They should have beaten Georgetown, but you know, one little Keaton Page Ford knockoff goes off for thirty-something points because nobody can put a hand in his face. And even when they did, he still hit shots. And now he's back. You curb stomp Southeastern Louisiana, which, by the way, they're like three hundred twenty-third in in the net ranking. So you should curb stomp them. You finally curb stomp a bad team at home, and then you open Big Twelve play with Likely Back, who, if you're really watching the games, is not healthy yet. He looks dead halfway through the second half of games. So he's not even 100%. So it's not like you even have the guy you're supposed to have. And then you hit No Dizzy against West Virginia in a game where you can't hit a three and your best three-point shooter isn't playing. Like It's not excuses when you go game by game and break it down and say... This team is not as good as some people thought after the 7-0 start. They're also not as bad as they've looked through this 2-5 and five run here. I, I don't think – I think this team is somewhere in the middle of that. I think it's a good team that's having some real issues right now that they have to work out. And some of it they can they can can, can be dealt with with coaching on Boynton and the staff. And some of it's out of their damn control.
1: Yeah, I, I mean – you couldn't have had a, a tougher start to Big Twelve play. Playing the team that went to the national championship last year, and while there don't they didn't return a lot from that team, Chris Beard is a freaking amazing coach. And to play them in Lubbock was a tough test. And then you get West Virginia, who's playing really well, and they're I think believe they're eleventh in the net ranking, so they're a really good team, way yeah. better than what we saw last season.
0: Well, and, and, so, and to back up on that, hold on a second. These are two teams that Texas Tech didn't have Jameis Ramsey to start the season. And they just lost their first game with him against Baylor. West Virginia got Big O, that that amazing big guy that just was a freak. He didn't start the season for them. And they got him. Those are two teams who got two of their now best players and a team teams that are finally starting to click. Whereas you've had your best player trying to get over friggin' undisclosed illness, mono, and... Like it, it, the timing of some of this is just the worst it could possibly be. Some of this really is piss poor timing, and I, I'm I'm not trying to say that there's not issues. The offense is not very good. The ball movement is bad. Everyone keeps bringing that up, and they're and they're right. The ball move is not great. It sticks a little bit too much. It does. Um But this is a really good defensive team whose best defender is exhausted. I just I'm not I'm I'm not going to bail the way everyone else is on this team yet.
1: No, I'm not ready to bail on them for sure. But it's one of those, I mean, basketball, as much as people love it, like it can love you or it can really not. It is a frustrating game, especially when you're not hitting shots. And I was at the game against West Virginia in Gallagher-Iba, and man, Oklahoma State had good looks. Even when the ball was sticking, they were still getting good shots and open shots, and nothing would fall. I mean, I think the perfect example – And the microcosm of that entire game was, I believe it was the 16th uh, three-point shot that Oklahoma State put up and missed. And Lindy had it wide open, and the ball just hung on the rim for like three seconds and fell out. I think that perfectly describes Oklahoma State's offensive performance in that game. And then, of course, the next one he hits is from freaking Pete from 30 feet out. Like It's just funny how basketball works. Eventually, shots are going to fall by accident or whatever (laughs) for Oklahoma State. Like It's going to happen you have two historically bad shooting performances back-to-back against good defensive teams. And everyone wants to bail when, really, if Oklahoma State makes a few of those shots, they're back in that game. West Virginia was not playing... Oklahoma State was still playing well defensively. And they held sheboy and Derek Culver really in check for the most part. I think Culver only had nine points. sheboy had 12. Like You would think Oklahoma State would have a chance in that game, but, man, just it felt like there was a lid on the rim on both ends for 40 minutes. And when that happens... You know, even if you're playing good enough defense, good offense is going to beat good defense. So you're. It was really just a night of bad circumstances and a night where you feel like if Thomas Azaga was playing, Oklahoma State makes more threes and probably keeps themselves in the game. And Texas Tech, I'm I'm not convinced Oklahoma State even on a good shooting night would have beaten Texas Tech. So as as much as it sucks to lose those two games like Oklahoma state's just not in a good spot right now, but I think they're good. They're going to get better and they have to be TCU on Saturday.
0: Well, I mean, look at this Texas tech is not going to have a, have a game where that many guys shoot that well again this season. Oh no, doubt. Like, they're just not like they could not miss. And then this is under my boy. OSU was 15, was 12 and zero when holding a team under 60 points, this is the first loss. They, they, they held them to 55 points. You should win a game. When you hold a team to 55, defensively, they were great. And full credit to West Virginia. They're a really good defensive team as well. They are really good. You just couldn't hit anything. Like this is – overreacting to how bad this is would be like Ole Miss fans overreacting to how poor they did against Oklahoma State and Brooklyn. They're outlier games. And this has just been two games where OSU has run into either the opposing team being a uh, just offensive hot streak – Having a huge performance at home, and then a team, a game where you literally can't score the basket no matter what you do, you can't, you can't get the ball to fall no matter what. And I, I, I know, I, you're just making excuses and da 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 da. No, like all this stuff matters. Are they a great offensive team? No, they are not. No one's going to claim that. Are they a really good defensive team? Yeah. I mean, you watched that Texas Tech game. They were playing. They they were playing really good defense and. Guys were hitting shots with a hand in their face. Like, they couldn't see a damn thing, and it would just swish. Like, you can't, you can't just look at the result and, and be pissed off. Like, I, I get it. Getting blown out by 35 it <laughs> really sucks. I would remind you that, remember that Final Four team in 2003, 2004? Did you know that they opened with a 21-point loss to Texas Tech in Big 12 play? Like, I'm not saying this team is that team, but the point is that bad losses happen. You have bad nights, other teams have great nights. Like that's going to happen. There are games where OSU plays out of its mind and gets wins over teams it shouldn't beat. Why? Because sometimes you have good nights and they don't. And for two games, OSU faced a team that had a really good night and that had a, team where, a night where they played awful. This team is going to get better. You have a nice four-game stretch here before the Big 12 SEC Challenge where you go to TCU, who is better than I think that we expected, but they're still not that good. Like they've beaten Iowa State and Kansas State close. Like it's not like they were blowing those teams out. You get Texas at home, Texas is okay. Expect another low scoring affair. You're gonna face Baylor, you're gonna lose. I'm just gonna say it now. And then you gotta go to Iowa State, and Hilton does not have any magic this season. Okay. It's Tyrese Halliburton and nobody else. You might lose two of those. Okay. You might be two and four in your first six games. All OSU has to do is go eight and 10, they're going to get the tournament. Okay. If they go eight and 10, I think they're in. I really do. I think if they go eight and 10 and don't lose to Texas A&M, this team is in. If you start two and four, you just have to go 500 to the last 12 games.
1: And there are, six that includes- there are still six wins in this conference. Because, because, yes, and a lot of it, I think a lot of it just is due to the fact that the big 12 and just college basketball in general is so chaotic that we can sit here and predict games all we freaking want. I (laughs) is going to go on the road somewhere and win a game that they absolutely shouldn't. Or there, you know, Baylor comes to GIA and they find a way to win. Like, no, I'm not going to say that happened. And no, I'm I'm putting it out into the universe, hoping that it happens. But at the end of the day, like (laughs) at the end of the day, basketball is in college basketball is so chaotic, especially this season that there's six wins there somewhere, especially if they beat TCU on Saturday.
0: Oh, absolutely. Look, OSU swept Kansas two years ago. OSU, I think they've won in Morgantown two years in a row. Yeah. like
1: Three years in a row, th- actually. That
0: happens because you're a your well-coached team that's having a really, really bad stretch. Okay, You have – if they start two and four, and I, keep, I kind of break this season down into first six games – a road game in A&M who's garbage. You can't lose that game. It's a bad resume loss. It's a, it's a, it's an okay win. It's not a great win, but it's on the road, so it's not bad. You have to go six and six the rest of the way to 500. You get TCU at home. You get Iowa State at home. You have two games against Kansas State. You have two games against an Oklahoma Oklahoma team. Like, there are six wins on the back of the 12 games run. Like, there are six wins there. Win two of your next four. You have TCU on the schedule. You have Iowa State on the schedule. You got Texas at home. You have Baylor at home. I know Baylor's really stupid good. Like, you're not going to beat Baylor. Maybe they do. Maybe something wild happens. Maybe that's the game likely is finally healthy, and they pull off a big upset win. I doubt it. But the point of this is this. The season's not over. It's not how we wanted it to start. I get that. But this idea that Boynton can't coach is stupid – um, this idea that this team's not any good, they have issues, they've got to work on them. They absolutely do. But let this team get healthy before we make a – if this team is healthy, and I mean that healthy, I mean Dizzy and likely are playing at, at full strength and the whole team is healthy, and they're still not winning games, we can have a real conversation about about how bad things are. But until they're healthy, it just sucks. I don't know any other way than saying Mike Boynton can't catch up a, a damn break between knuckleheads and boneheads who he has to kick off the team, players getting sick, injuries. Like what you, what you, I, at a certain point I, he's got to be throwing his hands up just going, "What the hell am I supposed to do here?" Like I it, it, I, I don't know. Okay, but I, is he bill self? No. Is he the best coach in the Big 12? No. But Travis Ford, shut up. Like just shut up. Stop we, it.
1: We all saw how bad that last season of Travis Ford was. Like, do it, God! Please don't, don't even put those two in the same freaking category, please.
0: Like, no,
1: no. So yeah, I mean, I'll wrap it up with this. Like, I mean, best case scenario, like we need Isaac likely to get back to one hundred percent as soon as he can. The fact that he's even playing right now and he looks. Like he's at about 70% is yeah. ridiculous. You get dizzy back. To me, the biggest, key, the two biggest keys for this team is they need Lindy Waters to be the Lindy Waters that we saw last season. That is give me the effing ball and let's go because mm-hmm. he has proven that as inconsistent as he can be at times, that he can be a dude down the stretch. You need a bucket and he can go get it for you. But mm-hmm. I need to see that aggressiveness all the time. And. He's, ta- he's actually taken a pretty good amount of shots the last two games. He took 16 against Texas Tech, and he took 12 against West Virginia. Now are shots falling? No. So something's off right now. But if he can get right and shoot around 50 to 55 60% down the stretch, then you feel good about where you're at. Because then you have a legit outside shooter at the guard position. If you, and Especially with him and Dizzy going back and forth. When they're both hot, it's fun. And then you have Isaac Likely as a slashing point guard who is a linebacker playing point guard. Thank you, Fran Freshilla, for that one. And then finding someone on the bench to be a consistent scorer.
0: One freshman has to the, the, has to be a contributor, The a closest, real one.
1: The closest that we have right now is Avery Anderson, and Avery Anderson, you can see the talent. Like you can see that it is there. It's just untapped and raw. And that dude goes so damn fast on the offensive end that it's like faster than he for his own good. If he can learn to slow the game down and play at a pace because his defense is ridiculous. Like he is an extremely talented guard. And if he can find it offensively, like a consistent mid range shot and how, how much did that suck that the one three he's made in a while he, didn't he got it off. He got it off too didn't late.
0: Count, Yeah.
1: That, that sucks. But he's at least starting to show some confidence on the offensive end that we really didn't see at the beginning of the season. And if he can cut down those turnovers a little bit, Then I feel good about him in that spot. I think Chris Harris is going to be the same way. He at least has the confidence to shoot. You at least have that. So there's something. And then if the Boone Twins can get back to playing consistent minutes, like they're playing, they're really good defensively too. Like you have contributors there. It's just in different spots and it's just not consistent on the offensive end. They're all good defensively, but you have to be able to score too. And even though defense doesn't really slump, like you have to be able to be consistent with the offensive end. You can't rely on two guys to be your whole offense.
0: Well, Let me let me add the one to one of this. Only two guys are, av- are averaging over over double-digit points a game.
1: Yeah.
0: It's Lindy and Likely. And, and they're only the like one 12
1: and 11 points. Like it's 12.9 oh,
0: and 11.2. Yeah. Here's the one that, that pisses me off. If you want me to get angry about something, Cam McGriff, please let me sit you down and have a conversation. You are a big, strong beast of a man. You are shooting 30- Eight percent Sorry, I I was wrong. 39%. Your field goal average is 39%. You're shooting 23% from three. You're with nine of 39 from beyond the arc. Your points are all coming from the free throw line. Stop shooting long twos and threes and get in there and get dirty. You are killing this team. That You get irritated by Lindy's inconsistency. I'm irritated because Cam McGriff should be in there. I appreciate the rebounds. I appreciate that he leads the team with 6.9 rebounds a game. But, dude, you're averaging 9.6 points and shooting 39%. 39%. You know what that tells me? Your shots aren't coming close to the rim. They're exactly like I think I'm watching. You're taking all these long jumpers trying to show that you're a stretch big man. I don't care about your NBA resume, man, because this ain't helping you. This is hurting you. This is bad. I understand some bad shooting, blah, 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 blah. Get in there and get to the rim. Play like a forward. Play like a big man. Stop jacking up all these threes. I don't, I'm so sick and tired of it because you, the one guy who I was so looking forward to his senior year was Cam McGriff. And it has been a disappointing one thus far. And I think it's the way he's playing, it's on him. You need to go play the way you need to be playing. And it ain't, jacking up threes, okay? It ain't it. That ain't going to do it. It is a – mm, I, I think mm. there's
1: a difference between making yourself a threat and just throwing stuff up for the sake of putting up shots. Like I think there's a significance. I don't care about him. Like it to me, it, it doesn't bother me near as much that if he shoots outside every once in a while. Like for me, it's not a big deal. But do I want to see the, the majority of his shots come from inside 10 feet? Yes. And get to the free throw yeah. line and, because he's a good free throw shooter. Like he oh, he's an excellent a free
0: throw shooter. Player. Yeah, he's like, there he is their their best free throw shooter. He's averaging. Well, that's not true. Dizzy's the best free throw shooter because he hasn't—he hasn't missed one. McGriff's the second. Is eighty-seven percent. Okay, yeah. He's eighty-seven like, percent. He has taken the second most shots on this team. He has shot the ball. He has one hundred and nine attempts. It's the second most behind Lindy Waters. He's averaging thirty-nine yeah. percent. I mean, Waters is only at forty-one. He's down right now. Like he's average. He's a Waters is a forty-four percent guy. He's down thirty nine percent yeah if you're gonna be that guy you cannot keep taking these long sh- these, these i'm just
1: i go back to uh, I, I go back to what i said i think it was a few weeks ago i think it was after the charleston game where i talked about the shift from of lebron dash from trying to be that outside shooter like that stretch forward nba mm-hmm. type guy <laughs> to a true 15 feet and in for you know guard, you know forward and Remember how good he was his senior year when he made that shift. I if Cam McGriff can play his game like that, like stay stay inside fifteen feet, you know, hit you know, get your you know, he's because he's a decent mid range shooter. Like stay in that stretch, but get to the bucket, get fouled, stretch you know, go out, stretch the floor a little bit, shoot your your corner three when it's there, but don't force it. Like if he can play that style of game, then I feel a lot better about where this team is at. But if he continues to just try and be a stretch for like four guard essentially that then we're we're having significant problems but I, I don't mind him like i'm not as staunch on you of like don't shoot threes like if it's uncontested go for it because eventually shots fall by accident it's just the way basketball is but i don't want to see him forcing more than four or five a game
0: no i just because he, he has a, a play your game man that's my thing play your game
1: I mean, in stop reality, trying to play
0: someone else's game. I mean, play in, your game.
1: In reality, like the way I look at it is I would much rather take an uh, an uncontested three over a contested two. I mean, I think that's just the way basketball is played right now. Go to the
0: rim yeah. and go to the line.
1: There's no guarantee you get fouled or you, that you get the get the free the free throws. So like I said, I'd rather I would much rather take an uncontested three over a contested two. Honestly. But mm. do I want him taking eight uncontested threes a game? No. But if it's there, shoot. Like it's just because eventually, like I said, shots will fall by accident. He's gonna run into a game where he goes five or six from th- five or seven from three. Like it's God, gonna, it's he's gonna, it
0: means he's gonna start shooting seven a game every time because of it. Ugh. Uh. all right. Look, well, I think I, I I'll say it. I think they went on Saturday. is playing well. They're a well coached team. They're not a very good team. Um, like they're gonna have to shut down Desmond Bain. If they can shut down Desmond Bain, they'll shut that team down. Um, period. But I I I will call that they win on Saturday. I I will say it. I think I think they win on Saturday. I think they beat Texas and then they're going to lose the next two to Baylor and at Iowa State because it's just it's just so damn hard to win at Iowa State. Like I know Kansas even when they're is bad, it's Iowa
1: like, State. it's so hard
0: to beat them there. Oh God, it is. It's it's so hard to win at Hilton. So I think OSU wins the next two. I think it's ugly, but I think they win the next two and and then. Um, and we we can get to two and four, and then we just gotta go five hundred the rest of the way. We oh she just gets to go five hundred the rest of the way, and I, I like their chances to do so. I do. So
1: All right, I think that ends our, our basketball conversation here. We got a lot to talk about on the football end of things here. But before we do that, we got a word from sponsor. All right, Philip. So we talked, we touched on this a little bit last week with Trey Cobb. Um, Casey Dunn is back. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you get, now we got to figure out who the offensive coordinator is. And we're on Chuba watch. So let's break this down. So it seems, it still is bizarre to me that Casey Dunn would come back. When we really don't know what his position is yet. Like I feel like it would have been a known thing that he's coming back to be the offensive coordinator with Sean Gleason now going to Rutgers. Like I that feels like that's gotta be the the likeliest scenario, right? Because I feel like he wouldn't come back from a position where even though it's G five, he gets a chance to be an offensive coordinator, call his own plays, to then come back to Oklahoma State to go right back to a wide receiver and maybe associate no. head coach position. Like that that doesn't make sense. Like he's gotta be coming back for something bigger than that, right?
0: So um I say this. Um go check out the 1012 podcasts on Thursday. Um I, I have Scott Wright from the Oklahoma on. I don't want to give it all away because then you won't need to listen. Um uh, but we talked about a few things, including Don. And 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 the consensus is this he's not coming back to just get a pay bump and be the wide receiver coach again. He he is going to be more involved in the offense. What that, what that looks like, we don't know yet. And and I think the reason for that is this. I think they're still waiting for Monkin to make a decision. I do buy that they are talking to Todd Monken. I do believe that the offer is there for him to come be offensive coordinator. I'll be honest. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Monken wants to be a college guy. And I, I, I say this not saying that I think he's coming. If you do get him, and, and Scott made this point, it's a one-year rental. Mm-hmm. He is coming because he had a rough year in Cleveland. He, he wants to take a break. Wants to kind of clean up his image for a minute and uh, look shiny and pretty and good again after everything. Because I mean, no one's blaming him for what happened in Cleveland. It, you, you Freddie Kitchens, your freaking head coach. I don't. <sighs> Bill Belichick couldn't couldn't run a good defense with with Freddie Kitchens trying to run the show. Um, but I, I mean, and. I think that's what they're waiting on because he's still tied to Cleveland. Cleveland hasn't announced a head coach. There's no decisions made until they know what Todd's going to do because Todd and Monken and Dunn have a good relationship. And I think Dunn would be fine working with Monken for a year, but you're going to get him for a year. That's that's about it. Two would shock me, but maybe, but you're going to get him for about a year. And he's going to go back to the NFL because he's going to be a hot commodity again. Um, I think Dunn is going to be the OC. I think he will be named the offensive coordinator. What's interesting about that is it's very unusual to see an offensive coordinator that does not coach the quarterbacks. It's just it's just not something you see. I don't think he's coming back to be a passing game coordinator. I don't think he's coming back to be a CO. I think he's coming to OC. I think he wants to call the plays. You're not going to turn down an opportunity to call plays at one place to come back to another place and not call plays. I just I don't I don't see it. Also, I bet he's going to make a lot of money. Like, do not be shocked if if Casey Dunn's new deal is a million dollars. Okay, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. My best guess, and we talk about this on on my pod, and go get a listen. We we talk about a lot of stuff with Monk and, and and Dunn. But my best guess is UCA. Casey Dunn is named the offensive coordinator, and they go and hire a quarterback coach, quarterback coach slash passing game coordinator. Whatever you got to do to get the guy you want, someone young. Up um, and comer, and I think I think that's the situation. I would be shocked if Monken comes. If he does, you're not getting him for long. Um, so Dunn is either going to be. I think Dunn is either calling the plays next season in 2020, or he's calling them in 2021.
1: Yeah, like I I think if it's just Casey Dunn as OC, let's let's go. I think you, I think that'll be just fine. I think he spent enough time with Gundy that I think he can call plays and have run a good system. Then you got to go find a quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator, and we talked about this. And I don't know how likely it is, but Zach Robinson wouldn't be a bad dude to call.
0: No, that I mean, would be my would, that
1: would be my number one pick if I'm going to go and try and get a quarterbacks coach.
0: Look, let me put it this way: He was drafted by the Patriots when he was drafted in the NFL. The Patriots don't draft dummies. Okay, um, he has been a a quarterback coach personal coach. He, he worked with Mason Rudolph. He was Mason Rudolph's personal coach outside of OSU. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of, there's another walk on quarterback who, who worked with Mason Rudolph as part of why he chose to come to OSU. I forget his name. I can't remember which one it is. Um, that's what he did for some time. He, he did some stuff for pro football focus this last season. He spent the year as the assistant quarterback coach with the Rams. The Rams don't hire dummies. Okay. he is a smart guy. I like that option. I, I think sometimes we put too much stock in getting alumni all want to come back to OSU. Um, I think we all like that. It sounds really cool. It's a pipe dream. I don't say pipe dream. I think it sounds really cool and we all love it. And, and I could see him coming back to OSU. I don't know if that would be the route they take. I don't know if that's something that he wants to do or if he would prefer to go chart his own path. That's a name I would consider. Um, I know he just got fired from North Texas. Bodie Reader is a name that I would consider. He he spent three years at OSU working with Mason Rudolph. Um, uh, outside of that, I don't know. I don't I don't know who your your quarterback coach option is. If that's throughout the take, maybe they do bring in another OC and Casey Dunn is just going to come be passing coordinator. But go, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you get a young quarterback coach.
1: Yeah, to to give my take on Todd Monken, like obviously that would be incredible to get him oh, to come yeah. back. My goodness, absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know how likely it is. But I feel like if he does come back to college, I feel like Oklahoma State is the only job he would come for. And I've heard that like him, like I've heard rumors and stuff that that is what he has said is he'll stay in the NFL. But the one college job he would come back to is Oklahoma State because he loves Oklahoma State and has a good relationship with Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn. Yes. And if he comes back and calls plays, then you probably, then you have Casey Dunn and some kind of co-OC passing game coordinator situation. Todd Monken coached quarterbacks. And then I feel like those two together in the booth calling plays would make the 2020 offense ridiculous. That would be really, really fun. Yeah. Do I, I still would put Monken somewhere in the range of like maybe 30 to 35% likelihood of coming. I I think he likes the NFL. I think he likes staying there. I think he was in a tire fire of a situation in Cleveland and some other team <laughs> is going to want him as their offensive coordinator somewhere in the NFL. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he has built up a good enough rapport with, with oh, you know, organizations yes. that he's just fine and can stay in the NFL. But if he wants to come back to college, I don't think he's here long, but to get him here for another year or two, you know, you bring you have Casey Dunn there and you know, Todd Monk probably going to help Casey Dunn a lot when it comes to calling plays. And those two is a tandem. And then you move Casey Dunn in, 2021 or so as your full-time offensive coordinator then you have another you know a young quarterbacks coach young co you know passing game coordinator something of that capacity i feel like there's a lot of scenarios that i feel like no matter how the situation ends up is going to be good for oklahoma state to get casey dunn back i we talked about it like i don't think people realize how insane of a loss and massive of a loss that is i don't think people have talked about enough how huge it is that we, oklahoma state was able to get him to come back that is yeah. a huge deal recruiting wise coaching wise I think it's a big deal to have him come back before he even left for a season.
0: Yeah, Scott talks a lot about that on my show. I don't, I don't want to get into it because I want to have some things for a particular cool listen to, but he talks quite a bit about how big, how big and I'm sorry, how big Dunn is in that program, and 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 how important he is and has been to its success over the past seven years. So uh, it, getting him back is big. Um, Scott's got some interesting stuff to talk about with him, um, and some some guys he spoke to, and uh, and an interesting point about how long he actually thinks Dunn might be in Stillwater as the OC if he if he if he gets that role. So, uh, um, I we weren't going to know anything for a little bit because we're not going to know anything until Monkin is done. Look, if Monken wants to come back, he'll come back, and they'll figure it out. And I think that's what they're waiting on. Um, but so it might be another. Cleveland wants to have a head coach named by Saturday. And it could be Monday before we find out something. It could be another week before we figure things out because there's still a lot of coordinator spots open. And you know, there's, there's rumors that Washington was interested in Monken. Monken is a is a known commodity in the NFL. He's going to get a, he's going to get a, a coordinator job somewhere if he wants it. It's just a question of does he find what he wants. Um, so just keep an eye on it for the next few days. It's not going to. I don't think anything's going to change today. It's going to be a few days still. So we just. Keep an eye out and, and see what happens.
1: Speaking of things, keep our eye out and see what happens. We're, we're still on Chuba Watch. No, Nothing. we're
0: officially on Chuba Watch yeah. because it's – the the timeline he set was Friday. um, And with classes starting back at OSU on Monday, my guess is his, he will announce his decision by the end of the weekend. I would be shocked if this goes into next week. I think, I think by Sunday, end of day, we know what he's doing. And I think it comes earlier than that, but I, I don't – I don't have any inside knowledge. I have no clue. I'm not telling you if I've got some special access pass to to Juba Hubbard. I don't know his roommate's girlfriend's sister's mother. Okay, Um, But based off the deadline, based off the fact when school starts, if he's going to go to the NFL, he's probably not going to go back to class. He's going to go get ready for the NFL. So I would expect a decision by the end of day Sunday.
1: Yeah, we'll probably we'll know within the next few days. Obviously, those will be up on Thursday. So we'll what, well, and if he does come back, there will probably be an emergency pod at some point. No,
0: probably there yeah. will be an emergency pod.
1: Yeah, so we'll be on the lookout for that if that is the case.
0: Um, if he's I, leaving, I, we'll probably do an emergency pod to talk so, about it. But
1: yeah, just yeah, just us gushing over what he did this, this season for about twenty or thirty minutes. But I have. Our, where are you at on? If you think he's coming back, do you think he's going? Where, where are you at? Are you just kind of like, because I'm sitting here, like, whatever happens, happens. I'm not trying to go too high or low one way or the other. I'm leaning toward, I think he still goes to the NFL. Um, but like we talked about in the last podcast with Trey, like, Chuba's a different guy. You know, he seems like a dude that wants to go all four years, get his degree, then go to the NFL. It just seems like with his personality, that's kind of what he wants to do. But I'm not going to blame the dude one bit if he wants to go and get breaded up because running backs, you know, you need to go get that contract.
0: Yeah. Look, um, I think he goes, um, that's my thought. I still think he goes. Now that said, do I feel better about the chance he would stay than I have up to this point? Um. But I still think he goes. I, I I think he's gone. Um, I wouldn't be – I would be more surprised if he came back than if he left. Yeah. That's, but I, that's kind I, of where I'm at. I, yeah. So that's my opinion. Um, I think he's gone. But again – I haven't felt this optimistic until this up until this point, point. and it's kind of grown some. And part of it's just timing and whatever old bullshit he keeps doing on Twitter to get us all excited about nothing, you friggin' trolls. Um, but you know, Canadian flag fools. But, but I still think I think he's gone. I do think he's seriously thinking this over. I don't think he's made a decision. I don't think this is something where he decided a week and a half ago and he's just been waiting. I think he's been taking the time to consider all of his options and make a, and really decide to make this decision smart. I I do. So, look, you're going to read certain forums and they're going to tell you what they think and what they know and all there is. insider information the truth be told i don't think anybody knows what's going on i don't think any one person has the answer and if they say they do they're full of shit i think lots of people have little bits of information i think lots of people have different nuggets of information um but i don't think one person has all the answers i don't think any one person knows and if they tell you they do they're if they get it right well congrats you you got it right It's a 50 50 chance so let's not act like you found the needle in the haystack okay um so I just, you know, we're, we'll find out for sure this weekend. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things fall the next couple of days. Um, you know, people, like I said, people want to say and sources want to say that they know what's going on. But really, like we haven't, we, we know nothing. We know as much as the next person. So it's it's really interesting and tough uh, for us to even find out. But it, I I'm honestly, I'm just kind of excited to know. Because I'm going to be happy for the dude if he decides to go to the NFL because I know, I think he's going to have a really, really good career in any capacity, no matter what he ends up doing. Um, I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic if he comes back because that gives me way more excitement about the 2020 season. And then we find out who the offensive coordinator is, and we have a lot to talk about going into the offseason. As the yeah, offseason continues, are, I guess.
0: There are plenty of reasons to be excited about 2020. Absolutely. Um, they got to deliver on some of that. It's not like no doubt. you landed three transfers who are all Alabama starters who are now going to start an OSU. But there are plenty of reasons to be excited about the potential for 2020. If Chuba comes back, that's going to skyrocket to – 2016 2017 type levels which i don't think is going to be fair to put that kind of pressure on this team i don't i don't think it is but they're chuba or not there are plenty of reasons to believe that this could be a a special kind of season at osu which i still think winning 10 games is special like i know some people like that special means you win the big 12 no it just means 10 wins Is still a rare commodity at Oklahoma State. It may have happened quite a few times recently, but throughout the history of this program, it ain't a normal thing to happen. So another 10 win season for OSU would be, would be nice. It would, it really would. It would be a nice culmination to the last two years and the struggle that, that OSU fans and the team has gone through and this program trying to shape itself into something new with new defensive coordinator, new scheme. Um, you got changes to offensive coordinator. You've got quarterbacks going through numerous things. Just 2020, I think is setting up Chuba or not to be a pretty, a pretty special season. And I think it's been the culmination of, of a lot of, of hard work and, and, and things they've been building towards. I really do. Absolutely.
1: So we we'll, said we'll we'll be keeping track of what goes on over the next couple of days. As we find out what Chuba decides to do. Likely, um, this is, whether it goes to the NFL or not, there will be a podcast up at some point to talk about uh, his decision uh, at some point. So it's going to be a shorter episode, but we'll definitely get that information up and give our thoughts and things like that. Uh, but this is, I think, that's all I have for this episode. Philip, do you have any final thoughts?
0: Um, at TCU in Fort Worth, one o'clock on Saturday. If you're anywhere near Fort Worth, you might as well go. I. would that arena won't be packed, so the more orange you can get in there, the better. Just yeah.
1: All right, where can everyone follow you on Twitter, Philip?
0: Follow me personally at OKTXARPOKE, and make sure and check out the Ten Twelve Podcast. We're on Twitter at TE and the Number Twelve of the Word Podcast. You can find the show anywhere. Like I said, Scott Wright is part of the episode. We got a lot of talking, a lot about coaching changes in the big 12 on our on our thursday episode so go give that a listen he's got quite a bit more to say than just what we talked about here
1: you can follow me at jt penfield be sure to follow the main site at cowboys rff we'll be back this weekend with hopefully talking about shuba coming back to oklahoma state for 2020 now we'll have our thoughts on that and oklahoma state basketball for the weekend we'll talk to you all then